Thanks, Ethan. Well, well read. Hi, everyone. My name's Jono. Uh, if we haven't met before, and if this is your first Sunday with us or you're kind of just visiting, uh, last week we looked at the beginning of Ephesians uh, and this afternoon we're looking at the end. Uh, and next week we plan to spend about 12 weeks looking at uh, Matthew's Gospel from chapter 24, thinking about uh, the end, uh, but uh, the end of Ephesians uh, this afternoon. Uh, My grandma, uh, Betty Parbury, uh, she grew up in the post-war depression, uh, a time where resources uh, were poor and so nothing uh, was wasted. She was also the hardest working farmer that I know to this day. Uh, Hours and hours on the hills of uh, the bigger valley, chipping thistles, uh, I would join her occasionally in my, my late teens. She was in her 80s and I could not keep up. Uh, we'd do one hill and she'd say, let's just do one more. And then she'd say, let's just do one more. And I'd go home broken. Uh, my, my older brother reflected while he was playing a really hard game of Aussie rules football, they were getting smashed by the opposition. His reflection was, at least I'm not chipping thistles with grandma. She was a hard lady. Uh, Grandma would boil the jug in the morning. She would fill the thermos to save on electricity. Tea bags were used at least twice. uh, And she wouldn't ever cook with the oven except on special occasions because it was a waste of electricity. Uh, When Jen first met Grandma, uh, I think Grandma might have been in her 90s, Uh, And she was down at the dairy with a dustpan and brush sweeping up spilt grain off the ground. Uh, And she said to Jen, you count your pennies before your pounds. Uh, One day there was some blokes unloading a semi-trailer load of hay down at the hay shed. Grandma could see this from the, the kitchen and some of the hay fell on the ground. She walked down from the house to the hay shed And she said to these blokes, if you saw $50 lying on the ground, what would you do? Pick it up, uh, said the blokes. Uh, Her response was, well, that hay lying there is worth a lot more than $50. And she walked back uh, to the house. Grandma lived an impressively focused life. Growing up in that post-war depression uh, time, it, it dominated the way that she viewed the world. It's such a difficult time to have lived through. It impacted absolutely every area of her life. Remember someone saying that Christians need to develop a wartime mentality. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? You don't expect all of life's comforts uh, during war. Happy to boil the kettle once a day, if at all. Why would someone say that, though? Christians should develop a wartime mentality. Well, this afternoon, Paul reminds us that those who trust in Jesus, we're in a battle of sorts, a spiritual battle. And as we look at chapter 6 this afternoon, we come to the climax of Paul's letter to these Christians in Ephesus. And here Paul helps us to develop a wartime mentality uh, with a difference. See what he says there in verses 10 to 12. Just let this soak in. If your Bible's there, have a look with me. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Does that sound pretty full on to you? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, says Paul, not against people. People are never the opposition for the follower of Jesus, but against the spiritual forces of evil. And the Ephesians, the original reader, they would have known this really well, having put their trust in Jesus. They were a community that had turned away from witchcraft. Some of them had practiced sorcery. We, we know that from Acts chapter 19, where they burnt their very expensive scrolls that were used for sorcery. They were living in a culture which understood uh, very well that the unseen spiritual forces are real, and so perhaps they were fearful of the devil and his schemes. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says to his reader, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That said, see verse 10 and 11, that while we're to be wary, we're to be careful on guard, while we're to develop this wartime mentality with a difference, there's no reason to be fearful. What does he say, verse 10? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love that the believer is not simply to be strong, uh, but we're to remember where our strength comes from. Uh, if you're someone here this afternoon has put your trust in Jesus, we think back through this letter that is Ephesians. What, what did Paul say in chapter 1, verse 19 to 21? He said, The power that is at work in you who believe God the Holy Spirit, that is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from death to life and seated Jesus uh, at his right hand far above all rule. And authority. So you picture here's Jesus, it's invisible now, but it will be made visible, sitting above all rule and authority. We need not fear the devil and his tricks, his schemes, but also the power that is at work, that was at work in Christ, raising him from death to life. What does Paul say? He, God the Holy Spirit, is at work in you who believe. Now, that's, that's quite staggering, isn't it? That God himself is at work in the follower of Jesus. Uh, you feel weak in your battle against sin? Good. Remember where your strength comes from. Yeah, Paul said in verse uh, 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Again in verse 13, look, look at what he says. Therefore put on the full armour of God, why? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, what does he say? Stand. There's a lot of standing around going on here, isn't it? All right, Ethan's just starting his apprenticeship. When I, um, 
when I started mine, the first thing that they taught me was don't ever let the boss catch you standing around. But here's Paul saying stand, stand. There's a lot of standing going on. The believer contributes nothing to salvation, but we get to participate in it fully. Are you conscious that there is a spiritual battle going on? And are you engaged in it? Paul said back in chapter 5, verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Are you conscious that there's a spiritual battle going on? Or are you just drifting through? Victory over evil has been won at the cross, but the devil, he lingers until Jesus' final return. I remember a friend of mine who's been in uh, pastoral ministry f- for many years, he said to me, you'll find that people want to move on from the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That's not to be us. That's what the devil would have us do. Uh, sure, Jesus... Uh, forgave my sins through his sacrificial death on the cross but my attention it's over here with work and with family and leisure and holidays no be careful how you live we're simply to stand in the truth of the gospel Uh, John Stott who's a a dead English uh, commentator who's always worth a quote I was hoping to put this on the screen, but I forgot to give it to the PowerPoint guy. He says this, listen to this. He says, wobbly Christians who have no firm foothold in Christ are an easy prey for the devil. And Christians who shake like reeds and rushes cannot resist the wind when the principalities and powers begin to blow. Paul wants to see Christians so strong and stable that they remain firm even against the devil's schemes and even in the day of evil, that is, in a time of special pressure for such stability both of character and in crisis, the armour of God is essential. Look at that. So what, what is the armour of God? Uh, there's a story about a nun. I can't remember her name. Uh, But she's sitting on the toilet, uh, a pit toilet in those days, so that you picture the outhouse. And she's eating a muffin and she's praying, multitasking. And the story goes like this. She's being attacked by by the devil. How dare you talk to God while you're doing your business? Uh, How how rude. Her response to the devil, uh, the prayer is for God, the muffin is for me, and the rest is for you, devil. Now, I like that story. You know that the devil or Satan he's referred to in the Bible, it means accuser. He's the accuser. So you're someone who trusts in Jesus and the devil says, you don't belong to God, you're not good enough for him. But having found ourselves in Christ, we can tell the devil to get lost. But we need the armour of God to give us the capacity to show him the door. And notice here the armour of God. It's simply, Paul is simply pointing us back to the news of Jesus. 
He's pointing us back to things he's already said in this letter. This is the conclusion of the letter. And as you English teachers would know, a good conclusion doesn't add anything new. So he's just tying all of the loose ends together. Verse 14. Let's look at this armour. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Back in chapter 1, verse 13, we read... And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You don't belong to God, says the devil. Get lost, devil. I heard the message of truth, the gospel of my salvation. I heard it and now I'm going to live in it. I'm going to stand in it. This is the belt of truth. Or chapter 4, verse 25, I'll put off falsehood and I'll speak truthfully to my brother or sister in Christ for we're all members of of one body I don't know if you found this but it's always tempting to lie isn't it the Christian community being dishonest with one another the, the devil would love that and as much as we would love each other others to think that we're better than we are we tell the devil to get lost for we're committed to truth. Sometimes we think we're taking a risk when we're telling the truth, don't we? When we're opening up about ourselves, who we are, what we're really like. But the danger is when we hide, when we lie. You maybe, if you've read Acts lately, you might remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they wanted the church community to think that they were more impressive than they really were, more generous than they were. They lied and it didn't go so well. So we buckle on the belt of truth. I heard the message of truth and so I will live in truth. Verse 14 again with the, the breastplate of righteousness in place you're not good enough for God says the the devil he won't approve of you maybe it's that you've fallen into that sin yet again you know how it is yet again I've failed well get lost devil I know I'm not good enough for God but chapter 1 verse 4 I was chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight my righteousness is found in the Lord Jesus Christ in his perfect life and in his sacrificial death and having been found in him, I'm going to get on with living for him, living out who I am in Christ. I'll stand in this truth and I'll steadily over time become more and more like Jesus. And we're just pushing through. Verse 15, uh, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Peace is a huge thing, isn't it? How we long for peace uh, at times. Peace with God uh, through the sacrificial death of Jesus. Our sins completely dealt with. There's nothing in between us and God. How wonderful is that? Peace with God through the gospel, but also peace with one another. He brings us together. Jesus has dealt with our sin, and so we can forgive one another. A friend of mine who works with Indigenous people in uh, Broome, he's there that 
people might come to know and love the Lord Jesus, to have peace with God. There was a, a readiness for him to go, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It Just as there's to be a readiness for us to speak, the devil says, well, keep quiet. You don't want them to think you're a weird Christian, do you? You don't want to lose your credibility in the workplace, uh, do you? You don't want to risk a promotion, uh, do you? Get lost, devil. I'll speak sensitively and I'll ask God for wisdom. I want them to have the peace with God that I know through the cross. It's good, isn't it, to just sit with these things. You show the devil the door with the armour of God, the good news of Jesus. Truth buckled righteousness it's Jesus's now mine peace and and a readiness verse 16 faith look there he says in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one faith is some shield now not blind belief we consider the evidence what we think carefully, but still it is a gift of God. Paul said in, in chapter 2, it's not by works, this faith, so that no one can boast. It's been gifted to us uh, by God. All other religions, you must do this. You must do that. You must strive, earn your way, be better, be a better you. But with Christianity, we do not contribute. It's a gift. I hope you know how freeing that is. No striving for approval. In verse 17, Paul mentions the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I really love that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The singular weapon in our armoury. You know, you go to the safe and you turn the combination lock and that heavy door comes open and and you walk into the armory and there it is a bible the sword of the spirit is the word of god and sometimes churches want to divide the two a church might say we're 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 a spirit-led community and some other church says well we're the bible guys there's no division here the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We, we announce the Word, we speak to our friends about Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit applies the Word to our hearts. And we do this on a Sunday afternoon, week after week, but also personally when we open the Bible and, and read and, and in our families. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, uh, if you are the son of God, the devil says to Jesus, tell, tell this stone to become bread. It is written, said Jesus, man shall not live on bread alone. Using the scriptures, the Bible, to counter the opposition. If you worship me, says the devil to Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, obviously, he's speaking beyond his pay grade. And Jesus answered, no, you worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. He quotes the Bible. I don't know if you've noticed this, that sometimes when the pressure's on, we leave the Bible behind. We go looking for answers and the Bible is dusty. We may, may even at times have a go at God 
Are you withholding something from me uh, to fight the battle? God, I need something more. He gives us the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. It's what Jesus used. And finally, you notice, Paul just wants us to soak all of this in prayer. Uh, Have a look at verses 18 to 20 with me. I'll read. We read and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, says Paul, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Some of you might say grace before you eat. You know, you pray before you have the meal. It's a good habit, isn't it? It's, it's a recognition that God is the great provider. I, I heard a story uh, about someone who takes prayer seriously, I, I suppose. Before dinner each night, this guy would pray for every member of his family by name. Uh, he had six daughters, 18 grandchildren, Uh, and a number of great-grandchildren. Much to my grandma's horror, I I suppose, they kept the food in the oven until the end of that prayer. Uh, Do do you pray for for our local church family here, Uh, for the the other local churches uh, across our our region? Sometimes prayer, we can just sort of tack it on, can't we? Uh, as though it's a a formality for for that which we're about to receive. May we be truly thankful. Uh, uh, Going through the motions. But here we see, Paul says, it's to be vital. All kinds of prayers and requests, says Paul. Be alert and always do what? Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, he says, that he might proclaim the news of Jesus fearlessly. Prayer must be the greatest church growth strategy that there is. Now, my grandma, Betty Parbury, she lived an impressively focused life, hardworking, counting the pennies before the pounds. I wonder where we're at as a community at developing a wartime mentality of sorts. How carefully are we living conscious there's a spiritual battle that's going on or or are we just drifting through complacent perhaps Ephesians it's just it's addressed to a Christian community an ordinary local church family be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes Wouldn't it be great if we be a a church that stands firm on the gospel, generation after generation, whatever life brings, no matter what the pressure, that we might marvel at this big salvation that we have in Jesus, that we might be committed to together growing up in this big salvation, living out who we are, that our identity in Christ might so shape us that we see a bale of hay fall off a semi-trailer and we think not how much did that cost 
but we think, where's the gospel opportunity in that? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who makes yourself known. Lord, we live in this broken world, broken because we, humanity, said no to trusting your good word. But you sent your son into this broken world to live the life we couldn't and to die the death we deserve. And by your spirit, Lord, you rose him from death to life and he is now seated at your right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. And Heavenly Father, you sent your spirit into your people, your church, equipping us to live for you. Lord, thank you that while the devil still lingers, we can show him the door. Thank you that we can stand in the truth. Thank you that we can be truthful to one another because we don't have anything to prove. Lord, we praise you that our righteousness is found in Jesus and that we have peace with you. Lord, it's our prayer that many others would find peace with God. And we pray for those among us who don't yet know you and we pray that you would be helping them understand more of what it means to walk on the Jesus road. And Lord, help us wield that offensive weapon, the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, that we would... uh, fight against the devil when we're tempted to live the world's way, that we would use your truth to counter the opposition. Uh, Loving Father, as we leave this afternoon, remind us that we're in a battle with a difference and we pray that we wouldn't just drift through, but that we would be engaged in it with your help. Amen.